Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I'm Janine, and this is Get the Funk Out. Well, I had a lot of thoughts in how I was going to start this week's show. A lot I wanted to share, my own opinions, but I'm going to just leave you with this. This is a quote from Reverend Al Sharpton, and it goes like this. What happened to Floyd happens every day in this country, in education, in health services, and in every area of American life. It's time for us to stand up in George's name and say, Get your knee off our necks. Reverend Al Sharpton. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Hi, I'm Janine, and this is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, and this is Get the Funk Out. I am joined by Ian Williamson, who I'm not sure he knew my show was called Get the Funk Out, (laughs) 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 but now you do. Um, Sounds good. I'll give you a little backstory. My show features people sharing ups and downs, advice for staying resilient, things like that. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, and congratulations. Ian is the new dean of the School of Business at UCI. Fantastic. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Very excited about the opportunity. Uh, Certainly will be a big change for me, uh, not having spent much time in Southern California, but uh, just very excited about UCI and all the fun and the positive things that are going on there right now. Where are you from originally? Are you from New Zealand? Where you're calling no, from? No, no. Chicago's home for me. Born and raised oh. on the south side of Chicago. So uh, I'm a little bit of, I'm about as far away from home as you possibly can be right now in New Zealand. Uh, and I've been here for three years and previously was in Australia for 10 years. Okay. Because I, when I, I checked you out, I looked at video clips and I'm thinking he doesn't have an accent. So I don't know <laughs> if he's from New Zealand. No, no. Originally from Chicago. That's, that's, that will always be my home. So you, you got tired of the winters, and a great opportunity came up. That's about right. Um, yeah. I, and I think I was such an ingrained Chicagoan, I didn't appreciate you can live someplace where you didn't have a winter. And so when I found that out, I said, oh, my goodness, this is a, this is a godsend. My bags are packed. There you go. <laughs> so tell me what, what it is you do, what you've been doing the past few years in New Zealand. So I am the Pro Vice Chancellor and the Dean of the Business School here at Victoria University of Wellington. Uh, and both of those roles I have slightly different requ- requirements. So as the Dean, I'm responsible for our business school here. Our business school is a pretty large one. We have about 4,500 students uh, and is one of the prominent business schools in New Zealand. And then as a Pro Vice Chancellor, I sit on the leadership team for the entire university. So our university is about 24,000 students sit on the leadership team that makes the broader decisions for our university in terms of direction, strategy, and investment. So it's really been an interesting role for me because it's a chance to lead a business school but also have an influence across the university. And Wellington is the capital of New Zealand, and so we're very much embedded and involved with uh, supporting the government here um, and you know, different types of activities that we would do to support what they're trying to accomplish. So it's been interesting to also work with the public sector in a very different way. That's great. And never would you have imagined that you'd be joining UCI with a pandemic. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, so certainly, uh, you know, I was talking to someone. I said, well, every generation gets to have their story about their leadership challenge. And so this will be the story about our generation's leadership challenge. Yes. How do we, how do we lead this world through what is an unprecedented event? And um, certainly it's been very real here. Uh, has had a big impact here in New Zealand. I think we've been very fortunate in that we haven't had the severity of the outcomes that many other countries are, are, are dealing with in terms of health. But certainly from an economic perspective, it's going to have a massive impact on, uh, on this country and this region as it will in America and other parts of the world. 
Were you impacted by the fires that happened? The fires that happened in Australia? Yes. So we got a little bit of um, of impact in that. Fortunately, the the debris from the fires didn't create huge health issues here in right. New Zealand. So um, we dodged that bullet. Um, certainly right. when I was living in Australia, you know, the bushfire situation is an annual concern there. And it had some major impacts on um, on the community I was living in when I was there. So um, having lived through that and understand the severity of it, I completely appreciate it. So you start in January, I think I read. That's correct. That's great. Well, plus it'll give everybody time to kind of figure out what's happening with school. And I guess the official announcement isn't out yet as far as if school's in session. And Yeah, as far as I know, uh, no decision has been made about whether or not there'll be face-to-face instruction. Um, and I think it's interesting, you know, the, obviously our calendar year in New Zealand, because we're in the Southern Hemisphere, is a little bit different. So we're in the middle of our school year at the moment. So it's the peak period for us. And we've had to deal with COVID um, at its peak during our main operations time. Well, most of the American institutions, you know, when COVID was hitting and escalating, they were all going into their summer vacation period. So they had that ability to kind of take a step back. So I think a lot of the learnings about how to deal with that, we ended up having to close the university here for four weeks um, in real time, convert everything over into online delivery. Um, It's created some really interesting uh, opportunities and challenges in terms of you think about work-life balance and working from home and flexible work schedules and um, what that means for your staff, your students, uh, how do you support your broader economy. Obviously, we, we shut the nation down for basically six weeks. You know, huge economic implications associated with that sure. and how do you balance that. So I think to some extent, I've kind of had a chance to peer a little bit into the future uh, of what I think many of the U.S. universities will be dealing with come August, September. And hopefully the COVID virus contamination will have reduced by that time, but I certainly think it'll be still a very big pressing issue for the country. Yes, I know because you know, we still have to wear masks. We have to be yeah. careful. I mean, I'm doing that. I'm social distancing. Yeah. Um, I, cause my heart goes out to the healthcare workers, what they go through. I had said to my daughters, imagine if I was a doctor or a nurse right now, you know, because they see people that are at the beach. They see people that are perhaps not so safe. A lot of people are seeing that, but they're very conscious. I'm very fortunate. Yeah. Um, I think we can't underestimate the, just not just the health outcome or the economic outcome, but ultimately the, the social experience that will have to change, where people are going to have to have a very different perspective about how they interact. And, and those are things we don't think about, that we do them naturally. And, and so it's very unnatural for us to take that in consideration, but necessary. So of course, there's a lot of negatives right now with what's going on, but do you think there are any positives, any learning moments to take away from this experience with the pandemic? Well, I mean... I think you have to put it in context, right? So first and foremost, the pandemic is about health, right? Mm-hmm. And so we have to understand that as a society, our, our goal should be trying to prevent as much as we possibly can death, mm-hmm. uh, right? So there is no economy without life. And so right. I think that's, that's something we, we have to always go back to. I think there's a lot of discussion about opportunities for businesses and the like, but the first and foremost, this is a story about literally life or death. And then what happens assuming we're able to deal with the life and death issue becomes the way we're going to deal with that will inherently change our preferences. It will change how we behave, what what our needs are, what we value, right? So when you take a community through a trauma like this, it is the case that people will have a very different expectation of what they want. Yes. And this is where organizations will, you know, 
that will thrive or be the ones that are very open to innovation and understanding that. Organizations exist because they meet the needs of a, of a community. Mm-hmm. And it's expected that when a community goes through this, its needs are going to change. And so my sense is that those organizations that really are um, committed to thinking about revitalizing innovation activity in their organization, and that's the products, the services they offer, that's the way they actually manage their workforce, uh, that's the way they think about who they serve. Um, and I think one of the big challenges for many organizations would be that they oftentimes thought about the people that they serve as the people they came in contact with physically. Mm-hmm. And in fact, a lot of what they do uh, can have a lot of value for a lot of people, but they may never actually physically see those individuals. And, and that'll be a very big jump for many organizations to think about. So I think that's the opportunity. It's not that the needs of our society have diminished. They're the same, if not higher. It's what those needs are has changed. And as a result, how organizations can meet that will be the big, big opportunity for many firms that to live up to. And unfortunately, for many organizations, they will find it difficult to make that transition. I'm hearing a lot of people talk about how they're connecting more. Uh, their bosses are more compassionate. There's a lot of acts of kindness. All of that's so important. Well, I think it reminds us back to you know, one of the things that's been really interesting uh, particularly uh, in my, my work here in New Zealand, we have a, the indigenous culture here, the Maori culture is very prominent. And, you know, it's a very, um, that culture shapes a lot of the way activity happens here. And there's a phrase within that culture, which is, you know, what is the most important thing? It's the people, the people, the people. And, and that's a constant reminder within that culture around how they should make decisions. And I think what we're noticing now is organizations are going through this. You, you speak to more compassionate managers. You know, we're relying on people in our organizations to deal with this complex problem, find solutions and maintain commitment solely because of we trust their character, we trust their person, we trust who they are. And so, you know, while we oftentimes are doing our day-to-day work and our activity, we forget that, right? right? Most of what happens only happens because we have people around us who have the values and the character and, and you know, being able to connect with them as, you know, as humans is really critical. And I think it's just reminding us it was always that, and um, we can't take it for granted. So true. For somebody who's a freshman at UCI and they're in the School of Business, things are going to look very different for business yeah. because we have 40 million people out of work. Some people are, are going to work remotely. Some people are going to start their next new venture. I'm sure things are going to have to be tweaked as far as, obviously not the whole curriculum, but how the, the expectations of students because of what's mm-hmm. going on. Well, I think one of the big challenges that incoming students or even students who are there are going to face is they probably entered into college with the expectation as to, I will get a college degree and I will do this thing. And it was mm-hmm. preset for them and they, they thought they had a path and they gave them a certain sense of confidence. And, and certainly there will be a path forward of success, but it may not be the path that you predicted. And you know, I think just emotionally coming to terms with this idea that you had, you can still do it, but it won't happen in exactly the same way. It'll come in a red box, not a blue box. You know, you have to get used to that. And how do you develop a sense of comfort with that type of uh, uncertainty? One thing I would want to reassure them with, one of the things we know is going to be true, there will be places for individuals with skills, right? And, you know, the fact that you're at UCI and you had the opportunity to go to the university pretty much ensures that if you commit yourself, you're going to graduate with a world-class education. And that that is going to be something that will be pay dividends for you in, in anywhere, really. 
And the question will simply be, are you going to open up your mind to being able to use that education in a wide variety of ways, or are you going to have a preconceived notion that you stick to? And just appreciate that as long as you're open to trying that skill set in different domains, there's going to be opportunities for you. But if you become rigid around where you think opportunity exists or how flexible you are about doing it, this is where you're, you're going to have more risk. And so I think for me, when I meet with those freshmen, with those 17, 18-year-old kids who, you know, they, they've worked really hard and they've got this aspiration, I will say, well, don't, don't settle now. Don't become conservative now. Right now, you're going to come out of here more equipped than you ever were. You should be much bolder in being comfortable and saying, well, had I thought about opportunities in different industries? I wanted to study accounting, but had I, had I thought about using my accounting skills in other domains? That'll be the key to their success going forward. And also, you know, opening up your mind to there's a lot of opportunities around the world. And don't be afraid of taking advantage of that. Like you. Well, you know, to be quite frank, I remember when I got my PhD, I had a very good mentor of mine who said, you know, if you get a PhD, you can do anything in the world. And I, and I thought about that statement. I think she just kind of said it in a casual way, but I thought about that statement. I said, well, if I just did all this work and effort to get a PhD, that's supposedly a world-class degree, and I never actually use it to do things around the world. It seems like I paid too much for this degree. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to try to get the best I possibly can out of this. And, um, that stuck with me. And, you know, I think it's important. My job as an educator is to ensure that our students get a world-class education. But if, if we do all that and we provide you with a world-class education and you don't think globally about how you will use that education, then you're probably not getting the return on your investment. Yes. And so it's about the skill, but also your aspiration. Yes. And this is an extraordinary time for students to understand how to be resilient, deal yeah. with ambiguity, Life is filled with curveballs, as I always say. And, yeah. and to just, as you said, not be stuck on one path, learn how to pivot, how to be open, open-minded. Just never forget, you know, in business, we oftentimes use this phrase around value creation or, value, you know, what is the value created by your organization? And I just go back to something I said earlier. You know, organizations exist because they solve problems that the societies have. And if, if, you, if you remember that, and, and the bigger the problem you solve, the more society rewards you, yes. right? They want you to be more successful because they see value in that. And so for me, what I would tell any entrepreneur or student, I would say, well, take a step back. Go back to the community you came from. Ask yourself, what is actually the biggest problem facing that community? And what we typically see is that they're social issues. They're not economic issues. And clearly, what's going on right now with the various riots across the country – yeah. that are having a huge economic impact. Yes. But these are social issues, and they're, they're needs that need to be met. And so I would say, well, just because you studied accounting and you had an idea that you might work in accounting in one way, accounting is ultimately the skill of measuring. It's a, the skill of evaluating. It's the skill of reporting. That's something that we need in a wide variety of settings, right? There are many segments of society that need capability in that. How can you use that skill to meet those needs? And I think if you start with that, that very basic understanding of what are the needs of my community? Am I skilled? Am I trained? Do I know how to do my profession? Right. If you can answer yes to that, then there will be opportunities for you and you'll create value and you'll be rewarded for that. That's great. Anything else you would like people to know about you? Um, well, you know, I mean, I guess for me, I, I think it's just a privilege to do what I do. I'm, I think I'm one of the fortunate individuals that really loves their job. Uh, I look for it every day and, you know, I, for me also, I think it's, if anybody wants to engage with me, there's always this thing, well, why do you do what you do? And, 
you know, the increasing opportunities, expanding access to world-class education is a driving passion for me. It was something that um, coming out of my neighborhood in Chicago, getting the opportunity to go to the university changed my whole life. It changed the trajectory of my family's life. This thing that we are able to provide at the university, I just, I find it amazing. If they're going to interact with me, they're going to know that I'm really passionate. I hope it's contagious. I hope people, you know, walk away going, why is this guy so on fire about this? Uh, it's because I, I really think that education as, as an opportunity is something that really can be not just life-changing, but community-changing. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what that looks like within Orange County and Irvine and hopefully okay. contributing in my way. Well, we can't wait to have you here. Well, thank you very much for the opportunity, and, and hopefully we'll get a chance to actually meet face-to-face as well. That would be great. I would love yeah. that. Now, if people want to find you, are you on, you're on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. Okay. I'm on Twitter. Uh, so certainly they can reach out to me there. And, um, you know, I'm, take a look at some of the things that I've posted and share any comments or feedback they might have. Thank you so much, Ian. It's been great meeting you. It's a pleasure, Dean. Thank you very much. I should call you Dean Ian Williamson. Excuse me. <laughs> well, uh, you'll probably get a quick response with Ian. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Excellent. I might look over my shoulder and think, who are you, who are you who talking that? to? Yeah. <laughs> get used to that. I guess so. Fantastic. 